Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Advanced Man Podcast today. Oh my God, do I have a special guest for you today. Some of you that have been following me may know that I had the bikey show up to my door one day, kick it in with bats, hammers and chains. Wasn't the most proud moment of my life. And today on this episode of the Advanced Man Podcast, we have an ex-gang member, Duncan Burns. He is a phenomenal man. This man came through one of my programs a long time ago, working on his sexuality. He has been monumental in my my journey for witnessing the transition a man can make and he has come from one of the darkest places he was found dead in the gutter pronounced dead four times after being shot and has come back from the dead because he had a bigger mission in life and he's currently living that mission and i can't wait for you to share his story with you so jump on in duncan burns phenomenal man and doing great things in the world please check it out i'll see you inside all right, here we go. Another episode of the Advanced Man podcast. And uh, yeah, today, as uh, as I mentioned before, we have Duncan Burns. Duncan Burns is a dear friend of mine. He came through one of my first uh, online mentorships, a shameless sex god. Um, he'd been pretty deep into men's work for a while. Look, Duncan has a colorful past. I um, I I feel like I have a colorful past and, and Duncan definitely... Um, He's not going to die wondering. Let's just put it that way. So uh, he almost did, but uh, we'll get into all of that. Um, look, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show, Dunk. Um, I know that you've been going through massive, massive shifts over the last, I don't know, like decade almost. And um, dude, uh, just, you know, continuously watching you stand up and step up. And, and I don't know what your biggest dream is and your biggest vision is. And I, I know it's coming true slowly, slowly. So, um, dude, so good to have you here. I'm excited for this chat. Yeah, awesome, brother. Thanks very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course, you've got a you've got probably one of the most potent uh, messages and stories that I've I've heard in the men's space. And um, I uh, you know, I I love reading your posts and I love um seeing where you're going and how you're getting there. And just the the commitment, the unwavering commitment to and which has only got stronger over the years since I've known you. I feel like to just continuously. You know, people talk about peeling back layers. I feel like you're just trying to put dynamite in that motherfucker and blow it open as fast as you can. Um, yeah, it's it's phenomenal, man. It's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to share your story with some of the some of the audience members. And you know, I, I believe you know we on this on the podcast we try to cover one of the five topics: um, health, happiness, relationships, identity, wealth. And I feel like yours is your your zone of genius is identity. Um, and you know, I'm obviously they're all interconnected in some way, but yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to pull apart with you um, the identity that you formed, you know, in your adolescent years, and why you created that that role, um, and um, and and what was it that you were moving towards or away from in order to you know to build that that relationship with this is who I am and this is why I am this way, you know, like what I want to know and I want the the guys that are listening to know like what drove that mm, yeah wow that's a big question <laughs> um yeah i mean i guess you know a lot of us know that we create our identity from the stories that we've taken on as as children mm. um you know the, some of the stories i took on uh growing up as a child in the family in the household that i grew up in is that um uh yeah, it was just do the thing, you know, there was not a great deal of communication, definitely wasn't healthy communication, definitely wasn't healthy communication around my emotions or even understanding emotions. Um, yeah, it was 
for me understanding there was, you know, a lot of um, disconnection from my parents or distance from my parents even growing up, which then created in me to go internal. Um, and plus also growing up as an only child in in my family. Um, and that was due to issues that have played out <clears throat> with my with my mother and her being able to conceive children, you know. Um, my older sister was stillborn. There was me and then my younger sister died a cot death. So mm-hmm. there was a fit of uh, trauma, I guess you could say, in the house at, at an early stage um, from, I can't even, I blacked out the first seven years of my life the from what I know from photos, I was roughly about four or thereabouts when my younger sister died of cot death, and I think she was possibly around about six months old. Wow. So there was that pretty full on trauma in the house. Um, knowing what I know from the work that I've done, I took on there was that I did something wrong. <clears throat> I either found her and notified my mum, and then obviously the chaos in 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 ensued and then um or um i was next on very close to my mum when she found my sister so we're just being in that and then watching that play out as i said i only know this from the work that i've done like um and then understanding you know how my people pleaser has was created in that space mm-hmm. um that showed up in you know being very internalized um going to school feeling like i was a when I was younger, I was a lot more social. I'm um, in school. That was really my social outlet. Um, oh, you know, I remember having reports, teachers, you know, Duncan's more interested in having a conversation with other kids and actually learning. Um, and I guess that was because I felt, you know, so alone in the household, you know, and that's also played out for me in <clears throat> in relationships, you know, like from my understanding is not having the ability to communicate like with a brother or sister or something, you know, like, and working that out, especially as you get older, you know, like working out or talking or what's going on for me or, you know, listening to, you know, a sibling and, you know, what's going on for them. I didn't have that. So then getting into a relationship as I got older, it's like, it's all new ground for me. You know, so then, um, yeah, I went into, I got it. I was very, I guess, emotional and not understanding my emotions, obviously, as a young age, and then got into sports, which was a great outlet for my emotions. A lot of my anger, a lot of my frustration, I took out on the football field. So then, you know, my identity became, you know, a rugby union player. So it was just on the field. It was just flat out, just brutal, all of the things, you know. And then going through school, um, got into high school, you know, got sent to a private school in Sydney, um, which I didn't want to go to. I knew that it wasn't for me, you know, uh, went down the path of, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And um, that played out in, you know, that, I guess, rebellious part of me, like, yeah, I got forced to go there. So it was like that fuck you switch, you know, mm-hmm. which is funnily enough, a big part of my shadow side as I have grown older. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, um, yeah, hasn't and sometimes still doesn't really play out well for me. Um, 
in you know in relationships and dealing with people too you know just in general you know like i've been told by a whole lot of people that i'm a really patient person and yes i do have a great deal of patience for some things and then there's other things i have a really short fuse for and then the things that i do have a great deal of patience for i get to a point and it's just a switch it's just that click and it's just like straight into the fuck you so yeah going you're gonna say something yeah going through high school um especially going to a private school coming from a working class family um i felt like i didn't fit in i was on the fringes and that was a story that i had taken on i've since in the last yeah, i think probably 12 to 18 months reconnected with some of the guys that i went to high school with and they're like we were the best of friends we were this we were that and it's like fuck like i knew we were friends but were we really that fucking close, you know, like, mm. and just seeing the difference in their perspective as what, what, what their reality was back then as to what mine was, you know, mm. it's it very interesting. It's like, fuck, okay. Like gives me a whole different perspective to run with now. I mean, you know, just turning 47 is what 30 odd years or just 30 to 35 years ago in mm. that period of my life. So yeah. And then once again, you know, my sporting was my outlet, outlet. So I, you know, went all in on the sporting side of life. Um, towards the end of high school, it was like three mornings a week, three afternoons a week, a game of football on the Saturday. <clears throat> or in summer, it was rowing. So it was three mornings a week, three afternoons a week, Friday night at the, the boat shed. So going out, rowing then, and then you know, to one training session Saturday morning and then the uh, race on the Saturday. So, um, yeah, I pretty much created my whole identity around sport. Um, school just wasn't really my thing. I went, showed up, participated. Um, yeah, and then I, I hit a patch when I was 15 that um, I, I was in my first real relationship. That was my first sexual relationship so I was uh, all in um, and she, you know, 12 months into it, she cheated on me because I wasn't the the bad boy that she perceived me to be. So she went to the next bad boy. And interestingly enough, it came out in a session that I did a couple of years ago was um, I took on that, oh, you want a bad boy? I'll show you what a fucking bad boy is. <clears throat> so then from 15, that I got into that cycle of, you know, one suppressing my depression and suicidal ideology mm. with uh, marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, that was, I used that as my escape. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, went through high school on and off escaping, um, left high school, and all I wanted to do was work. So, got into work, um, worked in a couple of jobs just short jobs and then um ended up working in a pub um in Parramatta in Sydney which was a pretty rough rough area back yeah. then mm. and um that's where I came into contact with um a gang member's wife um and she was working behind the bar as as well as I were and we we got on really well and then you know at the end of our shifts on Thursday and Friday nights we'd sit down and have a drink and that's how I I met him um, he'd sometimes come in and pick her up on a Friday night after his um after the meeting on the way home. So yeah, I guess you know, like a lot of people trying to find or create uh, an identity in teenage years is pretty tough. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, for me, it was mainly the sporting side of things that I found really resonated for me. And that's where I got to, well, as I said, you know, uh, be an outlet for, for everything that I was holding and storing, you know, all the anger, I was disconnected from my parents, like massively disconnected from my parents, shut down, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that just became my outlet. And in saying that with all the sporting stuff that I did, I, I burnt myself out. So by the time I finished high school, I started, I played Colts football for a, a couple of years. Um, and then I dislocated my shoulder. <clears throat> um, so that put an end to my f- uh, football career. So that was a complete, I guess, change of identity then. Like everything that I knew or that I'd, that I'd participated in just stopped because I refused to go and get a shoulder reconstruction, which was probably a stupid idea back then being 47 now it's a one of those things that comes back as a physical issue to haunt me Mm. Um, and yeah yeah so then yeah got into um hanging around with gang members at the age of what was i about 21 i think 21 yeah 2021 so then went into yeah, hanging around um, gangs um, and I hung around for two and a half years until I got a bike on the road and then um, uh, became a nom, which is in like a nominee or a pr- prospective uh, member. Mm. Um, did my 12 months there and then got my patch. And <clears throat> yeah, by that stage, uh, even by that stage, when I first got invited to a um, a bike show, I got introduced to speed for the first time. So yeah, living where emotionally and mentally living where I was, which was you know pretty well down here, um, drinking, smoking dope, in the pub and all that sort of stuff. Um, then being introduced to speed, it was just like bang, and then all the bright lights and the glitter and the new shiny object of gang life it was just like fuck okay this is where i'm headed you know and um one thing or not yeah one definite thing with me is and i've been told this as well by other people is once i get a, a lock on something it's it's pretty hard to take take me off that like i might go on slight diversions here and there but my i'm still focused on that i'm doing the thing you know mm. which, is in, which is interesting because what i just i you know in my intro i was like you just seem to get more committed, you know, which you're just saying, it's like, when I get focused on the thing, there might be divergence, but I'm still heading towards the thing. So it's interesting to see that like, that's at at least still part of your identity, but it sounds like you've been able to shift the thing from trying to fit in and trying to be accepted and trying to find love outside of yourself to I've, you know, well, I know that you've done more than most on the internal journey and continue to, um, and now you're sharing that message with the, with the world, you know, um, dude, it sounds, it, I mean, it, oof, that's, I've known aspects of your story and I still, I know there's a lot more that you could jump into, but I'm, I'm going to jump in and ask some questions. Um, yeah, man. uh, but yeah, I mean, from four, you know, like from like basically experiencing trauma, whether it's yours or secondary trauma from, you know, the situations it's like, it's it without sounding like an asshole, it's like, it's almost like you never had a chance. You know, it's, it's almost like they're just your, your purpose on this planet was to go through challenge from very early on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like interesting you say that because I've done spiral and some of the, a lot of the stuff that came up through spiral was all younger, like when I was young and some of it, some of it, 
a fair chunk of it, I'd say, was actually in the womb. Wow. You know, like I'd already taken stuff off in the womb, you know, like obviously going un- and understanding everything as to where I am now, mm. where my mum was when she was pregnant with me and the anxiety she would have had and the stress she would have had of not knowing what was going to happen because of what she'd um, been through, yeah. which is totally fucking understandable. And in saying that, that's what I took on already in the womb, like even before I, I came out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Having, yeah, being around and suffering that. And once again, understanding the work that I've I've done um, in a session a while, a few years ago, just before the lockdowns or something like that, it really hit me that's where... Uh, when my sister died and then all of a sudden as a four-year-old my sister was there and then she was gone that's where I took on my abandonment issues to uh, around women you know like she was there and then the next thing she was gone so then it was like fuck what was happening and then you know my mum withdrew as well so then there was another female in my life that withdrew her Mm. energy and her Mm. love Mm. out of protection for her own self understandably Mm. Mm. um but that's the story that i took on you know like Mm. so yeah and then a part of your identity then comes that women will abandon me you know yeah yeah and the the like the first major girlfriend as i said she cheated on me and left so then it's just that your um, your external reality is reinforcing your internal belief system yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, and then it just the reaffirms the story of this is what's going to happen and this was going to play out. So then the next mm. girlfriend I had went for we were together 5 years and um she cheated on me a few well, like quite a few times throughout that relationship and I stayed. Mm. And I stayed and like now looking back it was like what the fuck was I doing? But it mm. was like that's what I just thought was the normal and that's yeah. what i thought yeah, yeah that's what i thought i was worth and that's all yeah. that they once again the abandonment thing is like fuck i need to hold on to this i hold on to this like if yeah if she leaves what's who am i what am i going to be you know and yeah. all of those things so, yeah yeah so i'm really cool like you know i grew up playing footy different footy aussie rules because i'm <laughs> from down south and we don't we don't have rugby down there that's not a sport um yeah. uh we can have we can have an argument on that another time <laughs> um but uh yeah we it's um you know my desire to fit in uh to environments dictated a lot of my actions growing up and as a junior obviously always looking up to the senior players and knowing that one day you're going to play senior football and wanting to play a grade and seeing how the best on ground in the a grade is celebrated and supported and you know picking up all these mannerisms um you 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 pick them up, you know, as, as a young adult. And, um, you know, when I got a nickname, you know, my nickname used to be Mowbrow in, in under 17s, you know, last name's Mowbray, Mowbrow. That was the best a bunch of 15 year olds could come up with. Um, and then when I got to A grade and I got to seniors and they were like, what's your name again? And they kind of knew me, but you know, they're not that much. I was like, Mowbrow. And they're like, that's a shit name. And we're not, you can't yell that on the field. That's too hard, you know? So Moby, Moby was born. And, um, I loved it. I loved the nickname Moby so much that like, I just, I changed my, I changed all my face. I changed all my names on everything. You know, back then it was um MySpace before Facebook, but um, yeah. I introduced myself as Moby, you know, Moby became my alter ego. It became a new identity that I created. Moby Dick, Moby, the footy player, Moby, the only male barman at the, at the pub male, Moby, the debaucherous, you know, drug taking alcohol fueled, whatever. And um, 
all so that I would fit in with my peers, you know, mm. all so I could fit in with my peers. And mm. it sounds like, you know, um, there's, there's two forms of motivation in the world, right? One is movement towards, towards the goal. And the other one is movement away from pain. And it sounds like there was lots and lots of motivation for you to move away from pain. You know, it sounds like you would, everything you did was you trying to get away from pain. Um, but it didn't really sound like from your story that there was much you were moving towards, you know, like you didn't, you didn't necessarily have the vision or the like, you know, like sport, sure. But it, it, from what you were sharing, it didn't sound like I'm going to be a fucking great football player. or I'm going to be, it was just like, I'm just doing this shit to get away from stuff, which ultimately is what I imagine led to the burnouts on some level, you know, and the, the injuries. Um, and do you feel like you were still like at 20 and 21 when you started to meet these gang members? Do you feel like you were still moving away from pain there and you were still like looking to fit in? And it was, and do you feel like you had to curb much of your behavior to fit in? Or did you feel like the conditioning that you'd had already, already kind of matched what they were showing up as? Um, yeah, um, I was definitely looking for somewhere to fit in. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, knowing what I know now that going into gang life was like my rites of passage mm -hmm. um, massively um going to that lifestyle like i mean in all in all i i had a pretty sheltered life really um and you know yes growing up playing football there was always watching the wallabies or watching you know a grade footballers and it's like yeah fuck i want to do that i want to get to that space you know like that's that's a goal that's where i want to get um and in saying that exactly as you said like the amount that i went in too far and did too much that I got to that burnout and the desire wasn't there anymore. Mm. Um, and then when I did my shoulder injury, that was basically the end of the sport. So then it was like, fuck. And, and literally being lost, not knowing where I was headed, not knowing who I was just in that space of, yeah, just the void, so to speak, you know, and then came across this, this new thing, shiny lights, rah, 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 beautiful motorbikes. Um, it's interesting. I've actually been asked about, you know, my gang life and how I got there. And it was, I still remember, I remembered a story that I was, when I was growing up, we used to go travel up to Byron and go for a holiday. And, you know, back then or in the old days, it was up the motorway and then you come to overtaking lanes and everybody would be bailing out into the right lane and just fucking flat out trying to overtake people. And there was this one time that dad didn't jump out into the right lane. And then there were, like before that, I could hear thunder and thunder like, and thought, oh, well, it's a really nice sunny day. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense, you know? And then we got to the overtaking lane and the old man didn't jump out. And then like 50 Comancheros went past. Mm. Like on their bikes, just boom, 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 boom. And like even at 12, I went, that's what I want. And that was uh, something I took on back then. And I completely forgot about it until years and years later, you know. Um, so there was, I guess, uh, a bit of programming there as a 12-year-old, which, you know, subconsciously obviously played out later on when I came into contact with them. It's like, right, fuck, this has come back into my field again. This is where I want to head, you know. And yeah, definitely going into gang life, it was about fitting in. And also the ex-gang members that I've worked with, you know, a couple of years ago, um, there's a lot of manipulation and a lot of grooming, you know, with young guy, like gang members, you know, recruiting young men. And even these days, they're, they're like recruiting teenagers. 
Um, so yeah, the the manipulation and the grooming and the you know it's made to look all of these things, um, <clears throat> which it's not. But I didn't, and most don't find out until you're in the thick of it, you know. And then it's it's almost it too late. Oh, it is too late because it can be pretty fucking hard to get out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be very brutal to get out. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I, and once again, as I said, like my stubbornness and my, like once I had something, I've locked onto it, you know, like I've been told, you know, years ago that, um, you know, I'm like a, I was like a cattle dog or a pit bull. I just locked onto something and I wasn't going to fucking let go until I, I got the thing, you know, um, which is good for some things and it's not good for other things. <laughs> 100%. So 100%. yeah, yeah, definitely has some uh, negative, uh, negative, negative aspects to that side of life as well, you know. Yeah. I want to ask a question. You, I mean, you, you and I are both in men's work, you know, I know that, you know, that, um, most of the audience now knows that. <laughs> um, and I know you've been part of MKP for a while. You've done a lot of like, you know, warrior weekend initiations. You've been a part of, um, you know, initiating young men into manhood. There's, I know a big part of your dream is brother's keeper, which, you know, uh, I won't share too much with the audience, but I know it's, it's got a lot to do with working with dis, dis um, disadvantaged youths basically, you know, and, um, you know, I know that's a dream of yours and I know it's, I know it's coming because uh, you are pig headed <laughs> and locked in on your dreams, which is awesome. Um, but I, I want to backtrack. You said um, to, you know, you did your, your 12 months kind of service to get mm. into the gang. And as a man that knows there are initiations into manhood and as a young man that I'm assuming probably didn't have those initiations into manhood. I know I didn't, you know, so we make our own, you know, first time you get drunk, first time you have sex, first time you, these are all your own little mini initiations. Yeah. Uh, obviously, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, you know, I'm not going to poke a prod, but yeah. do you feel like gang life were giving you initiations that made you feel like you were coming into something that on some unconscious, subconscious level you were kind of seeking, you know, like, I, I remember parts of me, like, I'm like, I, I'm a man, I'm a man, I want to be a man. And so I would do things in order to make myself feel like a man to fit in, at, you know, m my club was the football club, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a gang, yeah. my gang was a football club. But I'm curious, like, did, is that a part of the process of getting in, like you going through initiations, and it makes you feel like you are being accepted into something that maybe the gang's not necessarily what you want, but the the sense of belonging is the thing that you want. And so you yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I mean, I hung around for two and a half years first, so I was already being, I guess, initiated and tested. Tested is a big, a big thing, mm. uh, in that time and space as well, you know. Um, and then when I when I nommed up, then you know the tests became more and more full on. Um, and in saying that too, they're also testing the individual as to how strong they are and how strong their boundaries are. Like I've, you know, in certain situations, I, they said, oh, I want you to, you know, you've got to do this. And I just went, no. And I went, what? And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, you'll fucking do it or I'm going to fucking bell you. And I was, guess you're going to bell me then because I'm not fucking doing it. Mm. And there came there there came a level of respect on on those types of things, whereas I just stand my ground, like I stood my ground. And in saying that, there's other times that it was like, yeah, it's like, fuck, how long's the biggest line of speed I'll snort? You know what I mean? Like, 
radio line up, let's do this, you know, like this, you know, there was some stupid shit. And in saying that, like the majority of stuff that I pushed the boundaries on, like really pushed the boundaries on was against me. <clears throat> you know, like how many, how much drugs can I take? How much, you know, like how off tap could I ride the bike and how stupid could I push the limits, like really push the limits through, you know, traffic in Sydney or, you know, chasing other guys up the motorway and all that sort of stuff, you know. And that came from, and once again, understanding what I know now, that came from a lack of self-love, a lack of self-respect and a lack of just not giving a fuck because I'd already been through suicidal ideology. I was in that space of, I just didn't fucking care. Yeah. I didn't have a level, didn't have a level of self-love or self-worth. I was just like, fuck, I don't care if I die or live or die. Mm. So let's have let's see how far I can push it. Mm. You know, that came in with the drugs as well, you know, like mm. then especially when I got introduced to ecstasy. Um, got introduced to that um <clears throat> in my when I while I was norming. Um, and then that came became uh, an envelope to push, you know, like go on five day benders, man, you know, like it wasn't unusual for me to take, you know, handfuls of pills over however many days and speed on top of that and then smoking dope on top of that and, and all the things and all at the same time, riding a bike, like riding a motorbike and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, pushing the envelope, like standing up to fucking people, you know, it's like, I don't care. I'll stand up to you. I'll say what I've got to say. I might not punch on with you, but if you're going to punch on with me, then okay, let's let's do this. And that that was with some of the most notorious guys in Sydney. And it, that's not coming from an egoic space. That's just that's reality and who mm -hmm. they were back then, and even who they've like moved on to after I left that scene. Like some of the names are very well known, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, there was just that space of definitely just initiation after initiation, and and it's like it's all, all also I guess came from the space of like how bad do you want this? What are you gonna do to 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 get this? You know. All right, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm gonna have to interrupt there. That is all the time we have for in this episode of the Advanced Man Podcast. That's a heavy conversation. Duncan is really sharing with us all the inside things that happened for a man in the space that he was in. So if you loved it, if you know you're getting stuff from it, please hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notifications button so that you get notified next time this podcast episode is out so that you can finish listening to all this magic that comes from all the guests that I have talking about men and masculinity and all the issues that we face as men. And because of that, helping men advance in their life. Remember, the Advanced Man podcast is for men, by men. And we work on health, happiness, relationships, identity, and wealth. So if you are a man, you want to advance in any, in any of those areas, reach out, have a chat. You can find links to all the guests that we have in the podcast details below. And I will see you next week for the next part of this episode.